we are going to be back in the book of Acts. If you are not someone who has been here regularly over the past year, we've been studying through the book of Acts in the New Testament. The book of Acts comes right after the Gospels, and it is the actions of the early church, the disciples of Jesus, and what they did following Jesus' ascension. And we're getting close to the end. We're in Acts chapter 21. So there's 28 chapters in Acts. So we are getting fairly close to the end. We're going to pick up in verse 27. And um, my heading in my Bible says, Paul is arrested. Now, before we go there, I want to say this. I want to say I had a wonderful time in worship this morning. Thank you for all singing beautifully. There's something powerful that God does when people join together in the Holy Spirit, praising God, and uh, it ministers to my soul. And I needed that. I've had a difficult week um, with uh, doing the funeral, for those of you who didn't know, of my cousin who was only a year younger than me. And seeing my family in tears and having to deliver uh, a message to them was difficult. And then I read what's next in the scripture for me to preach this Sunday, and I'm like, well, there's always worse. Have, have you ever thought about that? I just mentioned about how sayings my mom would say, like, you know, if your head wasn't attached, you'd lose it. Uh, you know, like another saying that I remember growing up was, there is always worse. My, my aunt would say, well, you could be a starving child in Africa, right? Like that's, you know, back in the day when they would show the, the kids uh, from World Vision on TV and the, and, the, and the flies around them, and they always painted such a gruesome picture, and I'm sure it, there's a reality to that. And my aunt would, would say, come on, count your blessings, it's not that bad. And I read the scripture as a Christian, and sometimes I feel like, especially as a North American Christian, where we have so much comfort, that there's a disconnect from what I'm reading here and what their experience what they're experiencing. Not, not to say that there aren't times in the scriptures where we see blessing, where we see the church prospering, where we see the Old Testament nation of Israel walking into the promised land, the land of flowing with milk and honey, and that these aren't supposed to be good times as well. And even the promise of God is that one day we will be with Jesus in heaven. And so being a Christian isn't all just doom and gloom, but the reality is there's a whole spectrum of Christian experience, and often in our Christian experience, we are only trying to attain a certain level of peace and happiness. Now, I just prayed for peace, and I believe we need peace, but I hope you were listening carefully to how I pray because I believe it's very important for people who are struggling to hear this that peace doesn't require that the storms are always calmed. Jesus can calm the storms. Don't get me wrong. He can calm the storms. But Jesus was sleeping in the bottom of the boat with peace even when the storm was raging. So what does that tell me? Yes, we often want God to alleviate the circumstances that we are in when we're going through troubled times. 
However, he doesn't always do that. And can we have peace even when he doesn't do that? And we're going to read about Paul being arrested. And again, I feel this disconnect. But when I read this, this is what I'm thinking. And this is what I want you to think about is we need to consider how would we handle these situations? You may say, well, pastor, well, I'm not going to get arrested for my faith. We, you know, they don't per- we have religious freedom in our country. Yes, right now we do. And some would say that that religious freedom is shrinking. And, and, and as a pastor, I wonder myself, like, will there be a day where what I do is so offensive to some that there's a desire to arrest me? I'll say something a little controversial. People were wondering over the past three years how we as a church would handle COVID, you know, in terms of shutdowns, in terms of how we're going to enforce regulations and all this. And, 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 or people were like, are we going to protest the government and go downtown? Like there was the extremes. And our church had, I'll be honest with you guys, we had extremes even within our church. Now, the good thing about our church is this, is that even though people had extreme views, they did, weren't extreme in their actions. And I, and I applaud you for that, for, for being, being calm in the midst of those tense times. However, this is, was my philosophy during that, is that if I'm going to get arrested, it's not going to be downtown Ottawa. It's not because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm forcing people to, uh, you know, be masked and vaxxed as they come in the church. You know, there's those two extremes, right? I'm not going to fight those battles because there might be a day where I really have to fight a battle and it's about Jesus and that's the hill I will die on. And I want to prepare in my heart. I want to prepare, and this is what I want for us as a church, is that we would prepare in our hearts that we would know how we can endure troubled times. Now, for me as a preacher of the gospel, I think about what it means if I were arrested because of my faith preaching the gospel. But but for you, you might be already thinking of different circumstances when you think of different troubled times. Could Could be relational difficulties, could be financial difficulties as we see the crunch on uh, people's incomes uh, you know, I, I don't know if you heard, but the gas prices are supposed to go up. My brother was telling me this. I'm like, they're going to go up more? Like, how is that possible? And yeah, like there's, there's more taxation, more, more, more things happening where, you know, we see the inflation on our groceries, you know, and some of you already pinch your pennies and, and we don't have pennies anymore. But you know what I mean? You, you count every cent. And the reality is those things can be stressful and we start to wonder, could it get worse? And I read the Bible and I'm like, sorry, church. Yes, it could be worse. I wouldn't want to sugarcoat the gospel to say, hey, just come in, just come be a Christian and all will go well for you. Then what do you tell people when, when their life doesn't go well and they've accepted Christ? You, they, they think you've lied to them. Following Jesus comes with a cost. Following Jesus is difficult. Jesus would preach and the crowds were divided. Jesus confronted a rich young man and he walked away sad. I would love to preach a message where it's just so inviting that the church fills up. My, my, my desire is for 
people to come to know Jesus. However, I don't want to sell them on a false gospel, a false good news. And the true good news is that, yes, Jesus is our Savior, but he's our eternal Savior. That Jesus has eternity in mind, and he will allow us. He doesn't cause us pain. God is not the cause of pain, but he allows us to go through trouble so that we can learn and we can grow. And then we can experience this life in a way that with, if our eyes are fixed on Jesus, there's something in the end. There are treasures stored up for us in heaven, not here on this earth. Remember when Jesus told the rich young ruler that he needed to sell his possessions, he, he told them and he said, store up for yourself treasures in heaven, not here on earth. And so when I read Acts chapter 27, I, know, I mean, Acts chapter 21, I know you guys are like, are you gonna get there? Yeah, I'm gonna read it now. Uh, I just have all of that in mind. I have all of that in mind and I wanted to set the, the stage for you as we read this. When the seven days were nearly over, some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, shouting, Fellow Israelites, help us. This man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people and our law at this place. And besides, he has brought Greeks into the temple and defiled this holy place. They had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, in the city with Paul and assumed that Paul had brought him into the temple. What's happening here? If we read just a few, a little bit back, Paul arrives in Jerusalem. He starts going around to talk to the Jews and the Gentiles. And the Jews, Paul actually starts doing some of the Jewish customs to acclimate himself with the Jews. In one of Paul's letters to the church, he says, I will become all things to all people to win some to Christ. And so Paul's strategy was, I'll get to know the Jews here in Jerusalem so that they'll understand. And so he actually, went, when it says here in verse 27, when the seven days were over, what Paul was doing was actually a purification ceremony that was part of the Jewish custom. So he was trying to endear himself to the Jews. Why? Because he wanted them to know Jesus. But at the same time, he was telling the Gentiles, hey, listen, if you look back um, at verse 25, he says, as for the Gentile believers, we have written to them our decision that they should abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood and from meat of strangled animals and from sexual immorality. So what Paul is doing there is he's saying, hey, listen, I'm going to try to hang out with the Jews. I'm going to do this purification thing, but not all the Gentiles need to do what the Jews are doing. That's one reason why as um, Gentile believers, we don't practice all of the Jewish feasts is because there was a freedom in Jesus. That's not to say there weren't benefits for Paul to go and practice some of those practices that the Jews were practicing. And sometimes I see churches doing the same thing where they'll introduce some of the Jewish practices because they can teach us things about the Old Testament that benefit for us as Christians to understand our, understand the Bible. And yet Paul says, hey, there's freedom, and the Jews didn't like it. The Jews said, you need to become like us. You can't be a Gentile and be a believer. You have to be a Jew in order to believe. And, and so they didn't like Paul. So verse 30 says, the whole city was aroused, and people came running from all directions, seizing Paul. They dragged him 
from the temple, and immediately the gates were shut. They were trying to kill him. News reached the commander of the Roman troops, and the whole city of Jerusalem was an uproar. He at once took some of the officers and soldiers and ran down to the crowd. When the rioters saw the commanders and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. The commander came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Then he asked who he was and what he had done. Some of the crowds shouted one thing and some another. And since the commander could not get to the truth because of the uproar, he ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. Then Paul reached the steps. When Paul reached the steps, the violence of the mob was so great that he had to be carried by the soldiers. The crowd that followed kept shouting, get rid of him. As the soldiers were about to take Paul into the barracks, barracks, he asked the commander, may I say something to you? Do you speak Greek, he replied? Aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 terrorists out into the wilderness some time ago? Paul answered, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Sicilia, Cilicia, sorry, Cilicia, a citizen of no ordinary city. Please, let me speak to the people. After receiving the commander's permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned to the crowd. When they all were all silent, he said to them in Aramaic, I'm going to stop there, hold you in suspense. We're going to go there next week. Paul's going to deliver his address to the crowds in Jerusalem. I want to stop there because I think it's important just to highlight what Paul was going through. As I read that, I don't know if you, in your mind, your mind gets drawn into the passion of Jesus and Jesus' last hours before he was crucified. He too was dragged away by a mob. He too was beaten. And we know that Jesus was, was punched and spit on and given a crown of thorns and mocked. And Paul's going through a very similar experience, so much so they don't even know why they're beating Paul. They're like, aren't you the guy who started a revolt? No, like it wasn't him. They just, the mob just came at him. So much so, like, again, they don't know who he is. He's getting a reputation that he doesn't deserve. Amy Beth and I, we like to listen to, um, uh, in the car when we're driving, we just drove to the GTA and back this week. So we listen to crime podcasts. Uh, you know, as Christians, we have a sense of justice. This is my reasoning behind listening to this. Uh, and so you want to, you know, you want to cheer that justice is served. And uh, anyways, you, you, you read when people are often wrongfully convicted, convicted, we would listen to a podcast on wrongful convictions where people would get just such a bad reputation just based on word of mouth. Just like, did you hear this or did you hear that? And, and, and all of a sudden, someone who has done nothing wrong takes on this reputation and people believe it based on hearsay and other people's reputation. So much so that people will build false evidence against people and cops who just want to make sure that they get a conviction and put someone away for a crime because people are just hungry to punish people. They want to see justice done, but so much so that sometimes they get the wrong 
person. Why am I talking about this? Because I think that as Christians, we ourselves need to be prepared that sometimes people will say all kinds of things against us that we might think are unwarranted. We might not feel like we deserve that. Sometimes we work in jobs and people just find out that we're different than them because we're Christian and we don't even know what they're saying about us. And we can assume that they might be saying things that we don't like to hear or we hear from someone else that someone's speaking against us. I hope I'm not the only one who experiences these things, but I, I know it happens as Christians. I know this is a reality. Why am I talking about this? Church, when you say that you are a follower of Jesus and Jesus was persecuted and people said evil things against him, he said, they will do the same thing for you. Matthew chapter five, Jesus is giving the Beatitudes. He's saying, blessed are you. One of the blessed are you is blessed are you when people speak evil against you. Not because it's true, but because you don't deserve it. They're doing it to Paul. They'll do it to you. Church, this sermon is a warning. Prepare yourself for the worst. It's okay that we live lives where we don't experience the worst all the time. But I believe in our hearts, we need to be ready that people, if they were to say things against us, if they were to do things against us, we go through it. Why? Because Jesus says, if you go through it, you're going through it, not because of anything you've done wrong, but because they hate me. And if they've hated me and you bear my name, they will hate you too. We're good Canadians, aren't we? We just celebrated Canada Day. You know what Canadians are known for, right? Being polite. Yeah, being polite. Not just being polite. We also are known for avoiding confrontation. Like last night, we were on the lake fishing before the fireworks were going to go off. We, Amy Beth's dad took me and Joel and Julia out fishing. And we're fishing. And some Yahoo is, is uh, taking his boat and um, water skiing. And they literally like were from... Like from me to Melissa with their with their with their boat, you know, with their uh, water ski, and we're just like, "What are you doing?" And I know Amy Beth's dad; he's American. He's American. Okay, he has he's lived here since he was twelve, but he's never changed his citizenship. I'm throwing him under the bus here a little bit. He never became a Canadian. You know what he wanted to do? He wanted to take his boat and go right up to them. And I'm like. I got my kids in the boat. I'm like, Joe, we're not doing that. I'm a Canadian here. We're avoiding confrontation. Go away from him. Go around. We'll go fish on the other side of the lake. We're not getting into some it with some young 20-year-olds who probably had too much to drink and shouldn't be driving their boat. Let's get out of here, right? Like, that's me in my heart. I do not want, want confrontation. I'm a good Canadian. The Americans, they want to pick a fight, right? Like, that's up to Joe. That like, He can... Do it when the Canadians aren't in the boat. But, he, but here's the reality, church. I want you to, again, I want to prepare you. As Christians, you can do your best to avoid confrontation. The enemy is like a lion seeking whom he may devour, the scripture tells us. You have an enemy. He's the father of lies, Jesus tells us. So he will lie to other people about you to get them to come after you. Again, I believe that if you love Jesus and you're following Jesus, I believe I've, that 
God has best for you and that you have good intentions to serve Jesus. But I think it's my duty as pastor of this church just to warn you of these things. If Jesus warned us about these things, shouldn't we warn ourselves about these things? If Paul lived through this, and still, Paul wasn't shying away from this. He wanted to speak to the crowds despite what he was going through. When I read these things, again, I I started with, it could always be worse. It makes me think this. Lord, I do want to be prepared, but I am thankful right now that I don't have to go through what he's gone through. Two things happen. One is my heart prepares itself that I'm willing to go through harder things. Whatever it might be. Maybe it is being beat up for the sake of the gospel. Never happened to me. But if it were to ever happen, I want to be prepared. More likely, it could be people saying things about me. Could be people treating me differently. Maybe one day it would be more extreme. The second thing is, so first thing is I'm more prepared. The second thing is I'm more content. I'm more content because when I'm not suffering, I can praise God. See, here's what often happens. There are Christians in countries like China where they do go through this stuff. Uh, Amy Beth and I have read some books about people who've gone through communist regimes and they come out of it. And uh, actually... They spoke, didn't one of them speak here in Kempville this year? But we were out of town. It was back in April. Uh, what, who was it, Ambeth? Brother Yun, right? Brother Yun, he's from China, and he wrote a book, a wonderful book about his experience and how he escaped the communist regime in China as a Christian. And he came over, and in his book, I remember him saying, I would expect that the Christian church would be more on fire because they don't have to go through what we go through. The reality is the opposite. The reality is that church is on fire because they're going through hard times. Okay, here's, here's a lesson that's aside from Christian persecution. Here's a lesson you could teach your children without getting too gory about what Paul's going through here. When you go through harder times, it's going to produce better things in the long run. If you take the easy way out and always expect the easy path, you're likely going to face harder times later. Would you agree with that? Most often. Not always the case. Most often. So church, let us prepare in our hearts for whatever God may face, but let us be thankful for where he has us now and not take it for granted. Amen? That's my message this morning. I'm going to pray for you as uh, we are going to enter into worship. We're going to sing a song that is very difficult to sing sometimes, I Surrender All. But I just want you to think about what I've preached as we sing, I Surrender All. Lord, we thank you for this day. We do thank you for our country. As we just celebrated Canada Day, how appropriate it is to celebrate the fact that we are glorious and free. And as we sing that song, our national anthem, Glorious and Free, God, keep our land glorious and free. We pray to you that we would be free, but we are reminded in the scripture today that not everywhere at all times do we have religious freedom. 
we are reminded today that there is a cost to following you, Jesus. Would you prepare our hearts? Would we contemplate your word today in a way that says, Lord, thank you. But if I would have to go through that, would I be ready? Lord, we do pray for the persecuted church around this world. Countries like China, like other countries, Lord, where there is no freedom to preach the name of Jesus. We pray that you would comfort that church. We pray that you would give the persecuted church a peace that passes understanding. And Lord, no matter what troubled waters we are going through, help us to recognize that you are there with us and that you help us in our sufferings. And Lord, as we sing this hymn of I Surrender All, help us to just have a willing spirit to go through whatever in this life you've called us to go through with eternity in mind, knowing that this life isn't all there is. There's a life after this where we store up treasures in heaven and we seek you, Lord, in eternity and keep our eyes fixed on you, Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.